It is Locked on Jazz for the 13th of June. Happy anniversary, parents. Maybe I'll remember to call them. Grayson Allen, Dante DiVincenzo, a breakdown of the two of them. Similar but different athletes. Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu's mock draft is out. What does it tell us? News from around the league. Summer League is out and the coaching moves of the NBA. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily look at the Utah Jazz with insight, expertise, geeky numbers, a look behind the curtains. All that for you today. Uh, Draft-wise, we'll update you on the latest news. Uh, we might have a new feature of which player had the incredible workout. Like, it seems like every day uh, there's a new one. And there is one today, so we'll we'll play with, around with that. Uh, update you on some of the latest news. A mock draft is out. The Locked On NBA five-day mock draft extravaganza day one is up on Locked On NBA. I strongly suggest you go listen to that. Uh, right now, if you're not going to have more than 30 minutes to listen to something, they go listen to that instead. Uh, Summer League schedule is out. The Jazz will play the Spurs on July 2nd at Vivint Smart Home Arena. They will play Memphis, who has the fourth pick, on July 3rd. San Antonio has about the 19th or eight, 19th pick. And then they play Atlanta, who has the third pick. So it's going to be incredible. Utah Jazz Summer League coming up this summer is going to be just great. Right, you've got you've got three, four top twenty-one picks. Atlanta, actually, you got a fifth. So in summer league, you're going to have third pick from Atlanta, maybe Jaron Jackson, fourth pick from Memphis. Atlanta picks again at nineteen. San Antonio picks at eighteen. Utah picks at twenty-one, and Atlanta picks again at thirty. So that is superb. Plus, I would guess John Collins plays, who was super last year uh, and is going to be really good for Atlanta. So Atlanta could have another young stud in there. And I'm not sure what San Antonio Derek White shows or, or what they do. But So that should be a lot of fun. Then the Jazz head to Vegas July 7th and 8th and 10th uh, versus Miami. And uh, that, should be, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, they'll play their first two at Cox Pavilion and then Thomas Mack. That's fun. If you've never been down for that, it, it's worth doing. All right. Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated launched a new mock draft, and we're beginning. There's going to be some surprises, but there is clearly a collection of players, both of which Grayson Allen and Dante DiVincenzo uh, I think will be a part of, the two players we're going to break down uh, on the today's show. There be, there's beginning to be a feel and an understanding of kind of what we're going to have for Utah 21. And then the top, though, is still uh, a little fishy. Uh, Everybody is still holding with DeAndre uh, Ayton at number one to Phoenix. Listen to Lockdown NBA mock draft. Some interesting things happen in that. Uh, Marvin Bagley, he has at two. Jaron Jackson at three with Luka Doncic going four to the Grizzlies. Then his first surprise is Michael Porter jumping all the way to five to Dallas. Then that drops Mo Bamba to six to Orlando. Um, that that I guess that's what they have to do at that point. Uh, curious to see what they're able to. Curious to see what I mean. They just have so many weird pieces on that roster. 
and they almost have to start it over again. And now you've got Steve Clifford, so Mo Bamba, maybe that's the perfect uh, defensive coach to be with. Trey Young, 7 to Chicago. Wendell Carter, 8 to Duke. I watched a lot of Duke last night because I was watching Grayson Allen. That kid can really board it. He's a nice player. He can really rebound. Pretty athletic. Big boy, 250. Um, Mammoth. Nine, Mikel Bridges, who I am not sold on. Um, I feel like there's a pretty good drop right about there. Kind of, I, I, I think Mikel Bridges could be a nice pro, and if you know someone acquired him, I, I'd have no. You know, if you went and got him, I don't not say it's a bad thing. I don't see him as a. I don't see a stardom chance to him. Lonnie Walker, Miami. I watched a little Miami Duke. This kid can really play. Six four, pretty good shooter though. A little wild. Thirty five percent. Uh, college shooting. Kevin Knox, Kentucky, 11, and then Sexton, 12, Robert Williams, 13. So, and, and Shake uh, Gilgis Alexander, 14. So through, f- at, and Miles Bridges, 15. Now at this point, it's hard to find a mock draft where that's not the top 15 guys. This next collection, we now start to move around a little bit in who everybody is. But the top 15 I think we can probably set, like, okay, there's 15. And from a Jazz standpoint, when Ma- when the draft comes a week from today, you start to watch Zaire Smith, at whether he goes or not. Jerome Robinson, Boston College, is somebody that Wu has a big high riser. Tony Brown of the Spurs, there aren't a lot of mock drafts that have him getting to 21 anymore. Um, I'm not sure it bothers me. Um, not convinced he's as good an athlete as everybody thinks. Kevin Herter at, at 19. And then they had Dante DiVincenzo going at 20, so the Jazz never get a chance for the six foot four, 200 guard, uh, pound guard who's 21 years old. They, uh, Zana Musa out of Croatia League is who they have. Uh, Jeremy Wu has the Jazz taking. Um, I've watched a little bit of this kid. He is a uh, very active offensive player, shoots it a great deal. He's long and can handle. Um, so I think he could play Quinn's system, which I think makes him a little interesting. He's young. He's 18 years old. Um, he has, there are, uh, what's strange on the Jazz pick there is they'd have to do some intel on him. I've heard some murmurs. I don't know anything about him in Europe. Um, we heard the same thing on Hizonia when he came over. I don't know if that's just something any European that's aggressive and not, and we suddenly gets labeled that way. Uh, really moves a lot without the ball. Uh, is big, six eight six nine, and plays with the ball in his hands. Athletically, I couldn't tell if he'd be able to defend. He's such a young kid and played in um, kind of a, a not not like Real Madrid level. Uh, Chandler Hutchinson out of Boise State is 22. Aaron Holiday, 23. So these are the guys that you, you can begin to get a feel the Jazz are choosing. Maybe DiVincenzo, who we'll talk about. Maybe Musa, Hutchinson, Holiday, DeAnthony Melton out of USC. Grayson Allen, 25. Mitchell Robinson, 26. I don't think that's a place we'll go. I don't think we would take that kind of center. Um, Brunson at 27 is who he has. I'm not sold on that. Uh, Okoji out of Georgia Tech's interesting. He really can attack the basket. Uh, Ellie Okobo, the French point guard, left-hander. Melvin Frazier is a kid I like. He's 6'6". He's, an, he's a ready athlete, but he's 21, and he kind of prospered a little bit later. He's going to have to learn a shot. These guys are all, um, frankly, somewhat significantly flawed, and that's what you get at 21. Other names, Keita Bates-Jaw, uh, 
Diop and Kyrie Thomas probably floating around a little bit um, as other names. Mo Wagner, who we talked about yesterday, Gary Trent Jr., another possibility uh, for the Jazz. And then the Jazz next pick doesn't come until uh, later in the second round, 52. So I think we're beginning to get a feel for who you're selecting from. And uh, I, I would present to you this question there's some interesting teams behind the Jazz. The Bulls, you probably don't care. And the Pacers, you probably don't care. The Blazers are 24, and the Warriors are sitting at, and the Celtics are 27, and the Warriors are 28. Which of these players, if they slid to one of those teams, would you say, oh, crap? Like, who's the player that's on the board for the Jazz that when the, he slot, the Jazz don't take him? He slides to the Warriors, and you go, oh, man. Now, the Warriors are an easy team to play for, but but who's that? I think that's a really interesting question to ask yourself um, as you analyze this draft and, and, and look at aspects of it. Because I have my guy who that would be, and um, it, it's and we'll talk about it coming up. It's, it's, it struck me that uh, last night. A few news notes for you. There's a lot of Kawhi Leonard talk with San Antonio. That's obviously just an enorm. That's probably as big a story as LeBron. Uh, those guys have to figure that out. Whether they do figure it out or not is unclear. Whether Kawhi wants them to figure it out or not is unclear. But they will he get the max contract? Is he trying to get traded? The story on Paul George... Staying in Oklahoma City, I would say, is a little loose. Not not that the reporter did anything wrong. The way it just gets characterized. Um, the wording was that they have a far better chance than people thought at the end of the playoffs. Okay, so that's more than zero. Right, that's not that they are the leaders in the clubhouse, that it's likely Paul George is going to stay. The way it was phrased is that the Oklahoma City Thunder have a far better chance to keep Paul George than at the end of the playoffs. Most people thought the chances at the end of the playoffs was zero. So I'm not going that that's a big story. Uh, somebody younger than me will have to tell me whether the uh, Lonzo Ball, Kyrie, or Kyle Kuzma dishing each other uh, – matters. I, I'm too old to know whether that matters. Today's uh, coming up, by the way, uh, who was it that had the great workout? And then we'll talk Grayson Allen and Dante DiVincenzo and then our Locked On Podcast Network host will give us the breakdown on the Dwayne Casey and the Nick Nurse hiring of coaches in the Eastern Conference this week. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. I'm driving the Colorado right now. Like it a lot. The Silverado I drove earlier was the smoothest like it was like a cruise ship. It was such luxury to drive the Silverado. It's a bit bigger. It's larger. The Colorado, to me, almost a little bit more manageable, if I may. Um, but the cab space is great. Four door, so there's great cab space. There's plenty of room for everyone. It's diesel. It's got really good pickups. So that midsize truck size is pretty cool. And then when you add in that the Colorado starts around $20,000 a year instead of what, I mean, that's a heck of a deal. Murdoch Chevy's really got it going on. Tyson and his crew down there have got some great deals for you. you got the Murdoch's no regret policy uh, for you, which is what makes uh, Murdoch so unique in their five-day price match guarantee, their car washes for life, their uh, uh 
inspections for life. So they really, they're doing it for you in a neat way. And then uh, for you coming up in June, it's Father's Day. Uh, so here's the for this week until Saturday, June 16th, you get a Traeger grill with any purchase at Murdoch Chevy. It's only while supplies last. These Traeger grills will go fast, so make sure you stop by Logan and Woods Cross. Very best deals that are out there. Uh, Six thousand dollars off the 2018 Equinox for, as well. Uh, Chevy, visit she- Murdoch Chevy and Logan and in Woods Cross. Get started at MurdochChev.com. Come find new roads with Murdoch Chevy. Today's show is also brought to you by The Store. Great things always taking place at The Store. I'm going to hopefully see Jeff and Scott, maybe even today. Uh, first thing at The Store, do you, not, you don't know what The Store is? What? You don't know what The Store is? 6200 South, 20th East. It's a grocery store, but it's not. It feels like a community. And then it feels like a little piece of local everything to it. it grocery stores have almost become stale like Starbucks, right? You all walk in, they're the same thing. This is exactly the opposite. Over on the right-hand side, you have the women working, or the men, but last time I was there was two women, working in the bakery, and the mudslide cookies are right there for you, and trust me, try the mudslide cookie. It's the best cookie ever. In the back left corner, you've got the barbecue chicken and the sushi that comes in every day, and they've got all their set-up marinated meats for you and the rest, and then there's the they also have all their special chicken pot pies in the freezer and all their various uh, things there. Then couple that at the front. They've got their very other types of marinated meats. Then they have all their local specials, whether it's uh, the Douglas coffees, whether it's their bitters, whether it's their cotton candies, whether it's their kombucha that you can just get uh, off the tap, whether it's their cold brew. It's just a great place. It's 6200 South, and it's 20th East, and it's the store. And stop by. Make sure that you go get. Uh, that, that I think is, is really important, is that you go get um, you, the mudslide cookie. I, I, I think you need that. I think you must have that today. All right, let's, uh, early, later today, we will post up on the uh, LockedOnJazz.net breakdowns of Grayson Allen as well as Dante DiVincenzo, and I wanna, I'll have those for you uh, going up on the site. Let's start with Grayson Allen. So I watched four portions of four of his games last night. I just about went all in during the uh, Georgia Tech first half. He was great. He plays. He and Duvall switched around playing on and off the ball this year. I like him a lot more off the ball, but I do like about him is the fact that he is has can play on ball. Let me be honest. I like him. Okay, I like him. If we take him, uh, he's the player who to me, if he goes to the Warriors, Boston, or someone else, I cringe. This is the guy. He's got all sorts of flaws. There's all sorts of reasons why maybe it's not right. He's picked at 21. If these things didn't exist, he goes, but he's the one that has me kind of thinking to myself, oh, man, I I don't want someone else to have him. He's an elite NBA athlete, elite NBA athlete. He... Has a 40-inch vertical. He's got incredible three-quarter court. He's got amazing uh, lateral testing. So he there's don't get caught with whatever skin color, whatever it is, that you somehow don't believe he's an elite athlete. He is probably not a good isolation one-on-one player. In fact, he was 9 of 27 last year in isolation. That's not his game. Doesn't have a great wiggle. He can attack a closeout. He's got a great quick release on his shot, 
he moves beautifully without the ball. He understands spacing. He runs really nice routes where he understands if a guy goes one way or another. He does all the basketball things well. He can handle. He could play on ball or off ball. He is pull-up jump shot. Leads a little to be desired. Um, All shots off the dribble last year, he shot 37%. His catch and shoot, this I thought was really interesting. His unguarded catch and shoot, according to Synergy, was only 30%. His guarded was 46%. So what that is, is he's got such a quick release, he's getting shots off in traffic. He's going to get, his game lines up far better from to the NBA game than it does to the college game. The game I watched against Georgia Tech, he's brilliant. Marvin Bagley III is not playing that game. So they are playing one big some of the time and two bigs at other times. His best year is his sophomore year. They only have one big during that year. The floor is so crowded. There's pick and roll. A few times he picks and rolled Euro steps to the rack and finishes nicely. Uh... There, there's a few other times where he drives, and there's just five guys there. It, 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 the college game has no spacing. You give him and his athleticism some spacing, I think he becomes better. He's 22 years old, or 20. Uh, his birthday is, I think he's 21, 22 years old. The concern is that age thing, except for the fact that in 15-16, when he's a sophomore, he averages 21 points, shoots 47%, 41% from three. So at a young age, he was able to make the plays that he had to make. I'm pretty intrigued by him all the way around. Now there's the side story stuff about you know, the tripping and all that, and you got to figure out what that is. And what was the suspension really about? Um, is he? Is there something, you know, is there a mental issue that is going to prohibit him from being? There, there's a lot of things here that you've got to dive in on. But from watching him pick and roll right, pick and roll left, little bat, little, little throws the ball away a few too many times, okay? I'm, so does DiVincenzo, actually. They're both very similar in, in, in a lot of ways uh, to their game. Uh, not a great isolation guy, but pretty good on the pick and roll. Pull-up jumper probably needs a little help. DiVincenzo is probably a little bit better, but I'm not sure that it's not something he, he can't work on. I also think, he, I think he's the third guard in the NBA who can handle or play off the ball, and playing off the ball, I think he's going to be terrific. And I think he's going to be a highlight machine at times. Defensively, I've heard the complaints. I didn't see it. Um, His shooting slumped in and out in kind of wild ways. Is that a confidence issue? Is that all the other stuff that is kind of was beating up on him over the years? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see whether him getting out of Duke and not being... The hated J.J. Redick, Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner really helps him. It's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I, I will just say it best. Sometimes I, I, when my son has had a big decision recently, one of the ways I told him I make decisions uh, was 
Envision somebody else doing the thing you're deciding between. Which one bothers you more that someone else has him? Somebody else drafts Grayson Allen, who we're competing with. It bothers me. That's the best way I would say it. All right, let's do Dante DiVincenzo. Interesting player. Again, elite athlete. 43-inch vertical jump. Listed at 6'5". Again, the age thing's a little funky. You know, his first year, he plays nine games before he gets hurt. I think it was a foot injury. He then plays 36 games, 25 minutes, and then he explodes a little bit last year going from nine, and he's, well, he's older. He was the Michael Jordan of Delaware. Here, this, you might think this is silly, but here's what concerns me about DiVincenzo. This is actually concerning me about Trey Burke also. He was the 37th high school guard in the country and the 124th prospect. I feel like we know guys now in high school. Now, he's interesting in the sense he was out of Delaware and people didn't really know who he was and there's some ask. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems to me as though we should have, like, that's, I don't buy that. I, I get a little, con- I the numbers say that when the best players in the NBA are often the guys who, you know, and maybe at 21 you're not getting one of the best players in the NBA, who were, were highly thought of the whole way through. Um, and maybe there's some stereotyping going on here because, again, we have an elite-level athlete. And he had an amazing national championship game um, at 31%, at 31 points. So he's he's seems fearless. He's risen to the occasion. Um, he's got some really similar things to Grayson Gray, and Allen. They both play off, can play on and off the ball. I think Allen's better on the ball than DiVincenzo. Um, they're both pretty good free throw shooters. Grayson Allen in his career is 83%. DiVincenzo in his career is only 70%. But and that leads you to believe that Grayson Allen's going to be able to shoot better. So that 70% is a little disconcerting. Uh, Allen went to the line a great deal more. He also played a great deal more. Uh, DiVincenzo, they're both, as I said, elite-level athletes. Um, they're both similarly sized. They both can play a little pick-and-roll left and right. If we dig into DiVincenzo, though, this is interesting when you talk about these two. Grayson Allen had 100 pick-and-roll possessions last year. DiVincenzo had 66. DiVincenzo much better on them, but playing with probably a better team that shared it more um, in some of those things. DiVincenzo's numbers in synergy far better. Better half-court player. Uh, transition, despite both being elite-level athletes, Grayson Allen was a little bit better. Neither of them were out of this world. Shooting-wise, the catch-and-shoot game, this is this is really interesting. We think of both... This is where the stereotypes on both these guys probably need to go off the board. So, just quite honestly, you, they're white, so you say they're shooters, and they're going to have defensive problems. They're, these kids are both elite-level athletes with huge vertical jumps that are average shooters. Unguarded catch and shoot last year, according to Synergy, for DiVincenzo is 33%. Unguarded catch and shoot, according to Synergy, for uh, Grayson Allen is 30%. Overall catch and shoot for Grayson Allen is 39%, 58% effective field goal percent. DiVincenzo is below that at 36 and 55. Neither of those, that's not great on either of them. 
Shooting off the dribble, DiVincenzo seems a little bit more comfortable with that aspect of things. He made 44% of his pull-up jumpers off the bounce, uh, which is one of the better college players to be able to do that. I'm not sure that he does that uh, very well in the NBA. It's a different game. Um, isolation, he's not very good either. He's 5 of 18. So they're similar players in, in, in a lot of regards, uh, and it'll be interesting to see where they end up. Right now, it seems like DiVincenzo has no baggage that Grayson Allen has and is higher on the boards uh, than than other guys. Uh, so we'll be worth kind of keep an eye on those two. I think that there's a real chance that one of those two ends up here. Uh, latest mock drafts in some places have DiVincenzo going ahead of um, ahead of the Jazz and making it um, so that they will never have a chance for him. Today's show is brought to you by The Advocates. The Matt over at The Advocates has built The Advocates for 25 years. Personal injury attorneys for Utahns, utahadvocates.com. Actually, the advocates now stretch out into the Pacific Northwest and some other places because accidents are different. But the process to get you the best, most efficient, best experience with the best communication is the exact same no matter where it happens. And so the trick to what Utah advocates do that's different than everybody else, they have experts at the tasks along the way. There's a lot of people out there that have incredible stories about what the advocates have done for them, and hopefully you don't have to be one of them. But if the time comes, call 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. A lawyer will call you in 60 seconds, put the case in the system, and then boom, it takes off through a 106-step checklist. You'll get good results. They'll make sure nothing bad happens to you. They'll treat you very, very well. They'll map out the best-case scenario for you and then take you through it. All the way through. It's the Advocates, utahadvocates.com. All right, two major coaching moves yesterday in the NBA, or this week in the NBA, so so let's go to them. Uh, Dwayne Casey, after some ups and downs, hired by Detroit. Let's go get a take on that from Lockdown Pistons, Matt Shook. Well, they finally did it. This is Matt Shook from Lockdown Pistons, where Detroit now has a new head basketball coach hiring Dwayne Casey on Monday and signing him to a five-year deal. The former Toronto Raptors leader, a finalist for this season's NBA Coach of the Year, will make just over $35 million over the course of the deal. The Pistons were also looking at Ime Udoka, the Spurs assistant, and Michigan coach John Beeline until the latter pulled out of consideration late last week. The Pistons were criticized for taking nearly a month after the season to fire former coach and president of basketball operations Stan Van Gundy. Similarly, this hire was made 34 days after Stan Van Gundy's departure and just 10 days before next week's NBA draft. Also complicating matters is that the Pistons don't have a general manager or most of the front office in place yet, with veteran Ed Stefanski running the show as a powerful advisor to owner Tom Gores. Stefanski was working with former Toronto executive Brian Colangelo when Casey was hired by the Raptors in 2011. Casey had a nice run in the North, taking the team to five straight playoff appearances and winning 59 games and the East top seed this past season. However, three straight playoff exits against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers ended Casey's run in the six, a move to shake things up without tinkering with the core of a talented guard-led roster. In Detroit, he'll have the challenge of a unique roster led by high-priced frontcourt players in Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Casey could also be without his right-hand man, as Toronto offensive assistant Nick Nurse, credited with revamping the attack this past season, is the main candidate to replace him in the big seat in Toronto, according to Lockdown Raptors host Sean Woodley on our Monday show. In Detroit, there's limited roster flexibility and the baggage of a decade of futility since the end of the going-to-work glory days. 
It's a tough crowd around Detroit these days, as most of the team's former fan base sees a rebuild as the best path forward. Gores seems uninterested in that again, with $35 million to a veteran coach becoming the latest evidence that the owner is full speed ahead. Casey was the best option out there, especially considering a wild search that included Kenny Smith and Jason Kidd, rumored candidates who were received in Detroit about as good as a foreign car. As a singular move, it's a good one hiring Casey, although the Pistons had to pay a tax of sorts in the form of an extra year in the deal to get their guy because of the malaise around the franchise. Similarly, it was the only way to get Stan Van Gundy four years ago, giving him the front office control back when that was a common move around the league. How you feel about the Blake Griffin trade in January probably colors how you feel about this move, but from where I sit, this team is in better position for success than they were in January. The Pistons will now be burdened with not only living to the promise of getting back to the playoffs, but proving to critics that they can advance past the perceived ceiling of also-rans, a challenge Casey couldn't push through before. But, for better or worse, he'll have a few years to get it done in Detroit. This is Matt Shook from Locked on Pistons. So Casey leaves Toronto, goes to Detroit, and now Toronto finally makes their hire. I think this one's interesting. Side note that Nick Nurse's assistant, who Casey so willingly gave all this credit to, gets this job. Maybe they were independent, but I still think you're going to see coaches, paranoid coaches, keeping an eye on on what's around them. Uh, But let's get Sean Woodley. Does a great job with Lockdown Raptors. What does this mean for the Raptors in the Eastern Conference that Nick Nurse is their new head coach? Hey, what's up? It's Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors, and the Raptors have hired a head coach after a month of waiting, a long, exhaustive search in which they interviewed a whole wide range of candidates, ranging from Sarunas Yasakevichis to Atori Messina. They have landed with a guy who was in front of their faces all along, assistant coach, five-year assistant coach under Dwayne Casey. Nick Nurse has been named head coach of the Toronto Raptors. It's an interesting move. It is, you know, I think a lot of people, Raptors fans' initial reaction was that it was kind of not the right move. I think a lot of people kind of were hoping for a new outside voice to come in, considering you fired Wayne Casey, who's an excellent head coach, who did a lot of great for this team. And if you're going to fire him, then maybe it's only a half measure to hire the assistant coach. I kind of disagree. I think Nick Nurse has a lot of potential. He's coached for 30-plus years. Uh, He coached in England. He's a two-time D-League Coach of the Year and also was the architect of the Raptors' brand-new offense this season. Uh, You know, it got a lot of headlines. It got a lot of press on how the Raptors kind of changed the way they play offense, and it was a top-five offense in the regular season, and it was the second-best offense by offensive rating in the postseason. For the first time in five years, offense is not what let the Raptors down in the playoffs. It was defense, and that is probably more under the purview of Dwayne Casey and other assistant coach Rex Kalamian. Nick Nurse was the offensive coordinator. So he is going to be tasked with sort of redefining how this Raptors team plays defense. And maybe it is just a limitation uh, sort of implied by the, the players on the roster. But Nick Nurse is going to be tasked with sort of trying to find a new way for this team to play defense while also upholding the offense that it really maintained this season and show that it can work in the playoffs despite maybe having some sort of limitations built in with guys like DeMar DeRozan running so much of the offense. A good thing about this move is that Nick Nurse already has a lot of institutional knowledge with the Raptors. He's been here five years, of course. Uh, He reportedly, from all accounts, has a great relationship with Kyle Lowry, which was always going to be a pressure point for any new coach coming in. It was always going to be necessary for that coach to be able to establish a relationship with Kyle Lowry, who notoriously has not been the easiest guy to coach in the world. Uh, And he even famously said when Dwayne Casey was let go that they never really saw eye to eye, Uh, but they still made it work and they forged a good relationship there. 
And it's good, at least in my mind, that Nick Nurse is coming in with uh, an established relationship with Kyle Lowry. Whereas if you come in with a new guy, maybe that relationship never really blossoms. And you, that's just a big risk with your best player who's still here for two more years on $30 plus million a year. Um, the other thing, too, with the Raptors is that they're in a pretty good spot considering all things. They're a 59-win team coming off of 59 wins with the one seed. Uh, they've made the playoffs five years in a row. Maybe they didn't need a big giant change to sort of shake up the entire room. Maybe a, a subtle move like this with Nick Nurse, uh, he, he can sort of bring in his own ideas that maybe got suppressed under a guy like Dwayne Casey. Not to say that Dwayne Casey suppressed ideas, but you know any person who is under a boss and eventually gets promoted, in theory, would like to do things differently than the previous boss. And, and there are things that they wish they could improve on and that they want to improve on when they get the opportunity. And I would assume we're going to see that from Nick Nurse. Uh, all reports are that he's a more experimental guy and sort of an outside-the-box thinker who I think will probably get the most out of sort of a strange roster that the Raptors have um, and hopefully maybe sort of use the regular season as a bit more of a testing ground for the playoffs as opposed to Dwayne Casey who really sort of went out for a lot of wins in the regular season and that's not a bad thing by any means but at the Raptors point in their win curve I think it's more about trying to use the regular season as an establishing ground for what you're going to do come playoff time Uh, and maybe Nick Nurse and his sort of experimental nature can kind of work on that and get the Raptors a little bit more prepared for what postseason basketball brings either way i'll have a lot more about this on the the next episode of lockdown raptors it should be out by now if you're hearing this uh so tune into lockdown raptors this is about 30 minutes talking about the brand new raptors head coach nick nurse uh we go in depth on the good stuff the concerns the bad stuff uh and sort of the optics of it tune in to lockdown raptors to hear that and thank you for listening All right, a little flavor from around the league for you. Thanks to Utah Advocates, Murdoch, Chevy, and The Store. Go get a mudslide cookie. Locked on NBA has picks one through six on the mock draft and a live Reddit at 2 o'clock today, Eastern time, noon Mountain time. A Reddit AMA for you talking about what's going on uh, with the draft. Check all those things out and get the latest at LockedOnSports.com.